0: Anger. We all deal with anger. And anger in itself, as we're going to learn, is not really the issue. The issue is uncontrolled anger. So you can take out your bulletins and jump right in, take out your notes. because you're going to see, we're going to be tackling a, a very touchy subject called anger. Now, throughout this message, please just remember that this message is for us. Personally, me, not the person next to you, okay? Although you would love them to pay attention and listen. And during this message, you're going to be thinking, I hope they were listening. I hope they're, oh, see, that's for you... Just let's receive it for ourselves, okay? And let's pray that God will speak accordingly to whoever needs to hear. In fact, I think we all need to hear, don't we? We all need to hear about dealing with uncontrolled anger. So... Let's be pleasant during this service. Let's not get angry about it. Let's just enjoy what God has set for us. Some time ago, I was uh, when I moved up here in 1990. I wanted to teach Heidi how to drive standard. And so I said, Heidi, uh, why don't, this is a great idea. Why don't, why don't I go and uh, show you how to drive standard? And she said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to learn standard. I said, no, it, it's easy. It's very easy. I can show you. And she says, "Oh, not today. I said, come on. It'll be fun. It'll be great. It'll be a wonderful time. And she goes, oh, I'm not sure. And, and I think what she was saying is, I don't want you to teach me. So uh, and so we did, and so I got in the car and I said, Okay, Heidi, here it is. It's, you know, the clutch. Pushing the clutch and gas. That's, that's the main thing right there. If worse come to worse, you press the clutch and brake at the same time so you can slow down. That's all, okay? That way you can do that. Got it? Okay, let's go. Started the car. Okay, put it in first gear. Put your clutch in. Put it in first gear. Okay, now press the gas. Okay, now slowly release the clutch. Okay, release the clutch. Okay, stop. Okay. <laughs> So, when you're releasing the clutch, give a little bit more gas. She's saying, okay, got it. This is fun. Yes, it is. Okay, and start the car. Okay, release the clutch slowly. Okay, slowly. Now put more gas. Put a little bit more Okay, died out again. Okay, so Heidi, um, release the clutch slower, but press more gas. Okay? She goes, okay, got it. Okay, let's try one more time. Start the car. Okay, press the gas. No, 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 no. You don't want to do that. Just, 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 you know, press the gas and then release the clutch as it goes and you're going to feel the car going. She goes, okay, just don't yell. I said, I'm not yelling. She goes, you can't, you, you are. I said, no, I'm talking loud. So <laughs> let's, let's try it again. And then we went and I said, okay, stop, 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 on, so Press the brake, the brake, the brake, stop yelling at me. Press the brake, clutch and brake, clutch and brake. And I'm trying to like, oh, come on. And so she pressed. Heidi, okay, when you when you press the brake, do it slow. She said, you said press the clutch and the brake same time. Yeah, same time, not same pressure. Just, just do that. She goes, but you're yelling at me. I said, I'm not yelling at you. She goes, you are. I said, I'm not. I'm just like excited. I'm overly, I'm not yelling at you. She goes, I don't, I don't want to learn anymore. I said, no, we're going to learn. We're going to learn. Try it again. Try it one more time. And we tried, and if it died out, and it didn't work. I said, no sense do this already. You're not listening. You're not listening to what I'm saying. You're not listening to what I'm saying. I don't learn anymore. you junk. <laughs> and so we sat there. And I said, fine, then. You don't want to learn? Too bad. Too bad. I'm not going to teach you anymore. He said, good. I don't want you to teach me. And we just sat there. And I thought, so where do we go from here? Am I going to still teach you or do you want to learn? What do you want to do? And she said, I don't want to already. I'm over it. I don't want to learn this anymore. And I felt so bad because my anger got the best of me. And I thought, whenever anger takes control over us, we ruin relationships around us. But since that day, she's forgiven me, right, Heidi? Amen. We're in church. you got to forgive me. (laughs) I think we deal with uncontrolled anger all the time. Every single day, we're going to deal with some type of situation that we get angry with. We all deal with anger. It's an issue that comes up. And really, it's the uncontrolled anger that is the problem. Anger in itself, as the Bible says, is really not the issue. The issue is the uncontrolled anger. Look at what Psalm 4.4 says in your notes. It says, "Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your bed. Uh, excuse me, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still." Now think about it. When the Bible says that you can, yeah, there's there's there's, there's no problem with anger. Just don't sin. And that lets us know that anger in itself is not sin. It's what happens with the anger. Because anger is that, is that rage that happens on the inside. There's that tremble, that quake that goes on on the inside. It's an emotion that stirs us up. And the Bible is saying, their yeah, anger is going to happen. But don't sin because of your anger. See, anger takes us on another course rather than the one that God has set for us. That's why the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. It's like at that time of the night, we're, we're withdrawn from the world. We're withdrawn from work, withdrawn from people. And at that given time, usually God is on our mind. And that's why He's saying, yes, you're going to be angry, but don't let anger control you. Be angry, but don't sin. You know what he's saying? He's saying, here's my course for your life. It's heading in my direction. This is what anger does. When you let anger control you, then you take another road. And it leads to sin. He says, be angry, but don't let it cause you to sin. Be angry, but change your course keep heading in my direction. Don't let anger control your life. Because once it takes control over your life, then it controls everyone else after that. When you meditate before you go to bed and you think about God, He's saying, there are some things that are inside that you got to deal with, but it can only be dealt with with me. That's when our minds are mostly on God, is right before bedtime. Ephesians 4 follows up and it says, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. You know what the Bible is saying? Don't cherish anger. Don't keep it wrapped inside. Don't just sleep upon it. Don't harbor it. Don't use it for the purpose of revenge. Don't, don't, don't harbor it or, or cherish it so that you can use it against someone else. It says, yeah, yep, you're going to be angry, but don't sin in it. Don't go in that direction, stay on course with God. Got to resolve that anger. See, the meaning of this scripture tells us that anger is going to happen, but it doesn't mean you have to let it cause you to sin. Don't give the devil an opportunity to lead us into sin, because the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So God gives us a a, a decision to make when anger comes up. He says, are you going to let it lead into sin? Or are you going to head in my direction? Now the question then is, okay, when, at what point do I know it's sin? How do I know that my anger has now turned into sin? At what point am I okay? And then at what point am I heading on this course and that direction? Well, here's some areas and some ways that you can tell that it's heading towards sin. And when anger is taking control, it's it's when anger rises up without any sufficient, appropriate, or necessary cause. You're just an angry person all the time. Or when we are in no danger, or we don't need anger for protection. You know, if someone is coming against you, you have to protect yourself or your family, anger is gonna come up. God built us that way, it's for protection and it stirs up, doesn't mean we're sinning, but if it's there without any cause, and no event took place, you're just an angry person, then it's going to lead into sin. Or when it goes beyond the limit of what caused the anger. If there was something that caused it. Let's just say you stumble, or you you bang your uh, toe, or you stub your toe on something, and you get angry. That's not sin. But if you take it out on someone else... Because you stubbed your toe, now you're passing the limit of what caused the anger. Now you're using it against someone else. And it's beyond the necessary of immediate self-protection. And it's, it's, it's apart from how we're designed. God designed us that way, but if we use it for the way we weren't designed, and now we're using it against someone else, we take it out on someone else, now it becomes sin. Or, when it's against the other person rather than the offense... Sometimes people will offend us, and if we get angry at the person, and now we want revenge, or there's resentment, now it leads to sin. But, it, but if we get angry at the offense, well, someone said this, oh, it hurt, Lord, I take this to you. I'm not going to hold my, hold my uh, unforgiveness or hold a, a hard heart against that person or resentment or bitterness, it's Not against that person. It's what they said, Lord, I give that to you. That way there's no unforgiveness or anger toward the person. It's toward the offense. And God can take care of the offense. Once we keep it with the other person, it'll lead to sin. Because then anger will start to control us. Now we want revenge. We want them to fail. We want them to take the blame or the fault. Or we want them to make a fool of themselves or, or be humbled in some way. And God is saying, no, now you're leading to sin, you're no longer on my road. Or when anger is accompanied by revenge, and someone does something, we say, okay, do you want to do that? I'll get you back. Now we're leading into sin, because now anger is taking control of us. Or when we reflect on some event that makes us angry, and we feel good about that event. We feel when we when we're angry about that certain event, and it makes us feel good. Now we're leading into sin because the Bible says, "Don't rejoice when someone else falls." But when we start feeling good about it, then we're starting to lead towards sin. Or when there's an unforgiving spirit, when we cause hurt or injury to someone else, and we feel satisfied with anger, that we're okay with being angry. Now it's starting to lead us towards sin. What we want to do is we want to learn some actions to to take that we can apply in dealing with uncontrolled anger. And these areas that we're going to talk about will help us deal with uncontrolled anger. I don't think any of us wants to continue in anger. I don't think any of us wants to stay on this course. But at the same time, many of us don't even know that anger has taken control over us. We've lived this way all our lives. We've seen this in our parents. We've seen this in our family. And so we think this is the way it is. But it's not. Here's something that'll help. And number one, that whenever we confront, confront with truth and love. Because we're going to confront people or people are going to confront us, confront with truth and love. It takes a skill to do that, but work at it. Confront with truth and love. On Sunday mornings, uh, I usually get ready at about 4 o'clock just to uh, be prepared for Sunday mornings. And so, uh, some time ago when we were transitioning into this uh, this new role and you know being prepared to come church this early, uh, I remember getting up in the morning and getting all my things ready. And... Uh, you know, I I have the ironing board out and and you know making a lot of noise because at four in the morning it's quiet. So any noise you make is noisy. Every foot or every every step you take, it's a bump on the ground. Uh, you open a door, it's loud. You brush your teeth, it's super loud. So I'm, I'm getting ready this early in the morning and I can hear Heidi tossing and turning. She's like, oh, okay, he's up and uh, okay, he's getting ready. And she toss and turn. And she's still sleeping, but now she's kind of up, and so this would go on for a while. And one day we sat down, and she said, "Okay, um, can we talk about something? But I, please don't get angry." And the moment she said that, I said, "Okay, okay, I won't get angry." She goes, "Okay, you be okay?" I said, "Yeah, yeah." So tell me what you want to say. <laughs> she goes, no, "See, you're going to get angry." I said, "No, no, 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 go, wait, wait, just." bring it on, whatever, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk. And she goes, no, but you're going to get angry. I said, no, no, I'm not going to get angry. Just tell me what you want to say. And we get issues, mostly me, only me. (laughs) And so she said, you know, um, I know you have to get up early in the morning on Sundays and you have to get your things ready and, and, and all of that, and that's great. What if you got your things ready on Saturday night? Because then you won't have to rush Sunday morning. And I thought, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll do that. And she said, that oh, then, Sunday morning, you don't have to rush. And you can get ready, take your time, and then you can go to church. And then I can meet you there. I said, oh, that's great. Perfect. She goes, and then you won't make as much noise in the morning. <laughs> I said, I was like, I was good up until that point. <laughs> and so this, I was thinking, so what do you want me to do? Oh okay, well, now I gotta get up. I got. I, I I gotta. I gotta get all my stuff ready Saturday night because I'm making noise for you. I mean, it really is. Try. Try opening an ironing board four in the morning quietly. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I Have a stand-up ironing board if you didn't realize the sound. I said so. So I'm thinking so Saturday night, I gotta get my stuff ready. Okay, then what, you gotta cook dinner early. You gotta cook dinner at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Because I gotta sleep early. I gotta get all my things early. If you wanna go movies, can I go movies? Can I go movies? You like do something? Gotta be at nine in the morning? You gotta go sleep early. Let me get my stuff ready. I can, 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 can. Yeah, yeah. Let me be quiet in the morning. That's what we gotta do. I was thinking that. I didn't say it. I'm not that brave. And so we settled it, it was done. Then for the past seven years, or I don't know how long we've been doing this, it's been working fine. Now, could have gotten offended by it, but the way it was presented, it was presented in truth and in love. Sometimes we present something only in truth. And we'll say, you know, you, you and slob, you got to pick up all your stuff. Truth, <laughs> but not done in love. Oh honey, salty to dinner, why you cook this one? I told you, I don't like this kind. Let me translate if you don't speak pigeon. This was horrible. <laughs> so, but it's the truth, but not done in love. And the Bible tells us, whenever, if you're going to confront someone, do it in love. Because it's better for everyone. Otherwise, anger will come up and it'll control us. And we can't fix the uncontrolled anger. Before you confront, seek the Lord. Ask Him for direction with wisdom and and ask Him for for the truth and how we can do that in love. How How can we express what we're going through with truth and love? Admit to Him first. Say, Lord, I'm angry. Help me to deal with this. Because when we admit to Him that we're angry, He can help us deal with it. I must admit first that I am angry. But Lord, I'm going to go to you first. I'm not going to go to the person and bite their head off. I'm going to go to you first because you're the one who will give me, give me the wisdom and the grace to confront in truth and love. To, to remain emotionally healthy, we must acknowledge our anger, not give it free reign. Sometimes we just let it go free and, and rampant in our hearts and then we just we destroy relationships. When the Bible talks about anger, in, in uh, Luke 17, 3 and 4, uh, Peter was talking about, okay, how do I, how do I deal with this then? How do, I, how, do I, how do I deal with confrontation? How do I deal with unforgiveness and anger and all of these issues? And Jesus said, well, take heed to yourselves. In other words, He's saying, you've got to pay attention to what's going on in you. Take heed to yourself. When you see anger coming up, don't just think, okay, that's just the way I am. Take heed to yourselves, and then it continues in Luke seventeen three and 4. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. When we hear that word rebuke, sometimes we think, oh, it's a slap in the face, or it's, you know, I'm, I'm telling you what to do, and 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 it almost sounds like very spiritually super holy. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Like... They can't touch you, or, or or you're protected by the word, rebuke, I rebuke you. It's not that. What the Bible is saying is you're admonishing with like a sharp correction. You're being loving, but you're being, being very serious about the matter, and you're very firm. It's a warning that that we're heading in this direction, or I'm heading in this direction, but I want to go in this direction. Even in our marriages... That This is where we're heading. Let's get back on course. How do we correct and how do we admonish one another and not let anger control us? It's through truth and love. Letting the Lord move in and through us. Jesus was saying, you know, there's, there's, there's times where they're going to come to you, yep, seven times in one day. They'll say, I'm sorry, I repent. Yes, let them repent and forgive them. Really? Even if they say it seven times in one day? Yes, because Jesus is saying there is no limit to forgiveness because there is no limit to uncontrolled anger. Forgiveness must override anger. Forgiveness is the only remedy to help us with uncontrolled anger. That's the only way it can be diffused. See, confrontation never aims to injure, but to set right and heal. That's what confrontation is for, in the Lord's way. It's not to injure or hurt, it's to set right and to cause healing to take place. But if uncontrolled anger is not dealt with, then there will be hurt, resentment, bitterness... And a relationship that breaks apart. Paul the Apostle, when he was building these churches and spreading the gospel and and raising up pastors for different areas, he had to correct the church in Corinth. And he wrote a letter in reminding them, here's some things that we need to correct. Here's some things that you're doing that are, are off base on what God has set for us. And now you're heading off track. And now you're going to a place where sin is becoming an issue. And so he said, here's some things you need to do. And and in 2 Corinthians 2, 3, and 4, he says, That is why I wrote to you as I did, so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. Surely you all know that my joy comes from your being joyful. I wrote that letter in great anguish and with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. When we confront with truth and love, it's not easy. Paul himself said, my heart is troubled. I I wrote this letter in great anguish, with tears in my eyes. But I didn't want to grieve you. That's not the reason why I wrote this letter. It's not the reason why I'm confronting you. That's not the reason why I'm letting you know the truth in love. I'm letting you know this because I love you. And when we can do that with one another, that we confront with truth and love, we're not doing it to hurt the other person. We're doing it because we love the other person. Sometimes we have to say it to our spouse or, or, or someone in our family or, or a loved one. And we're doing our very best because we love them. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. See, all we're doing when we're confronting someone in truth and love is doing what God already did with us. We're not doing anything different than, we, than we're doing with what God has done in us. We're not doing anything different than what we received from God. We're just now doing the same thing that God did to us for someone else. We're confronting in truth and love. God did that with us. He didn't stay angry at us. He got angry at sin, yes, but He didn't take it out on us. His Son bore the pain on the cross and he took it upon himself why because god gave us truth in love because god is love therefore number 2 choose forgiveness choose forgiveness over compressed anger choose forgiveness over compressed anger compressed anger the way i look at it is like a uh, it's like a spring now you have this spring and when we compress anger This spring is now pushed down and all that power is within this spring. But when it's released, it is much more powerful when it's compressed than when we deal with it. And it'll lead to sin. When we compress our anger, it will lead to a powerful, sinful act. It can if we don't give it to God. But don't compress it. Forgive, release it. When Jesus was on the cross, while he was dying for you and I, on the sin, on, on the cross, for the sins of the world, he didn't compress his anger. This is what he did. Jesus said, and he's speaking to God, he says, "Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I'm so glad that God didn't compress his anger, but he chose to forgive us. He did what we should be doing with other people. See, at the cross, God didn't stretch the truth or make excuses for us to lessen the pain. Christ bore sin, all of it, to fully redeem us and forgive us completely. See, real forgiveness is not an excuse. It's not, it's not some front to look brave or look holy. It is a purposeful act of faith, a faith choice. A refusal to hold sin against the other person. That's what forgiveness is. It's not just to make us look good. But when I choose not to forgive, then I compress the anger. And when the pressure is too much for me to bear, it's almost like a bullet in a barrel of a gun. Then when the trigger trigger is pulled, whoever's in front of it takes the hit. That's uncontrolled anger. And sometimes we take out our take out our anger on people that don't deserve it because there's compressed anger and it's gonna be released one day. Some time ago, someone came to me and and they, they said, Hey, can we talk a little bit? I said, Sure, let's yeah, we can talk. And they said, You know, um, what you said hurt me. And I said, Yeah, hey, I'm I'm sorry. I mean I, I I I didn't know what I said. I'm I'm sorry, what did I say to you? And they said, well, you didn't say it to me, but you said it to someone else who relayed the message to me. And I said, so what did I say to that person? And then they mentioned to me what I said. And I said, you know, that wasn't the context of it. That's, I did not mean it in that way. And if you took it that way, I apologize and ask for forgiveness. And everything was good. Then someone else from uh, a close person in their family came to me. And, and they confronted me, confronted me with something they expected me to do that I didn't. And they said, "Hey, can we talk?" I said, "Sure." And they said, "You know, I, uh, um, I thought you were going to do this, but you didn't, and you know uh, that hurt me." And I said, "I, you know, I, I apologize. I didn't, I didn't know that hurt you. I, I'm sorry. And you know, I didn't. I didn't know you expected me to do that, but you know, and I couldn't. So I, I apologize. And then everything was good. And then another person in their family came to me, and and they accused me of making a decision that I didn't. They said, uh, so. Uh, this happened. Uh, did you say for them to do that? I said, well, what are you talking about? They said, this decision was made. And um, I want to know, was that you? I said, no. It wasn't me at all. I said, oh, okay, I guess we're good then. I said, okay, I guess we're good. And then we prayed and everything was good. And then the spouse came to me and said, you know, i um, there's some things that you've been doing that I don't understand why you're doing that. And, and so, um, I just have some questions for you. I said, sure. And we talked a little bit, and, and it really was nothing. And then we were good. And I went to the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, what is happening? What, is, what am I doing, Lord? you got to help me. I've got to word things better. And, 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 and however I'm saying things, Lord, you've got to help me. And so, he said, no, you've got to get to know them better. You gotta get to know them. So I said, okay, so I got to know them better. And what I found out was there was compressed anger in the entire family. It just so happened to be that I was in the front of the barrel at the wrong times. And I thought, we don't know what we go through. And how often, many times, I've taken out my anger on someone else. Because I compressed my anger instead of dealt with it with the Lord. And people suffer because of my insufficient heart to take it to the Lord. And I don't have the capacity or the know-hows or the means to say, Lord, I have an anger problem, can you help me with this? And we take it out on other people that don't even deserve it. Sometimes we rationalize anger by saying, well, that's just the way I am. That's just me. It's in my blood. That's, it's just in me. I, I'm, I'm like that. And believe me, it's not in the blood. Because be, I don't mean any disrespect in saying this, but if you get a blood transfusion, it doesn't mean that now you're a different person. So it's not in the blood. It's really in our hearts and our attitude, in the deepest part of the soul. And that's where God is saying, This is where I want to correct. You can't just use that as an excuse, say that's just the way I am, that's just the way I was brought up. That may be half truth, but it's it's solvable. We might say, Well, or rationalize it and say, Well, that's just the way they are. They've been like that for years. That's the way she is, that's the way he is, so that's just it. We just gotta deal with it. But it only goes that far when we rationalize. The worst one that I hear is well, at least they're real. They say, tell it like it is. They're not fake. No, they're not fake. They're angry. They have an uncontrolled anger problem. And we, we rationalize it and we say, well, at least they're real. At least they're truthful. Yes, they're truthful, but they're not truthful in love. And so we actually allow people to stay angry. That controls them. Choose to forgive. Making excuses or trying to rationalize anger and cruel words can't defuse anger. Only forgiveness can. And God chose to forgive us. Matthew 18, 21 and 22, Peter comes to Jesus and asks Him about this forgiveness deal. And he says, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother against me? So how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, oh, I, don't, I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy-seven times. What Jesus was saying is, because there's no limit to uncontrolled anger, there should be no limit to forgiveness. Because forgiveness is that which diffuses anger. It's forgiveness. The last thing, and this will help, this is a tough one, but we all can work at this, is to be kind to others. Be kind. Be kind to others. Did you know that love requires us to be kind? Good etiquette is at the core of being kind. It's at the core of love. That's why I, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5, and there's a typo, let me correct it. It says, love is patient and kind. It is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. Many times we want to write a list of all the things they did wrong. And say, okay, oh, that's number eight. Oh, spoke to me in that way. Number nine. And so we're writing all these things. And then at the end of the day, we want to say, okay, here's the ten things that you did wrong. I only did two. You're up by like, I don't know the math on that one. I say eight, two, six. You're up by like six and whatever the math was. So that means I can do these this much more things to you. Because you wronged me ten times. I only wronged you twice. I get eight more. And we think that's what it means to to be equal or everything's fair. But the Bible says, says, no, you don't keep record of wrong. Because God asked us to be just like Him. God doesn't keep record of our wrong. Imagine if God did that. God said, okay, here's the one million things you did wrong. Here's the zero I did. Then that's the list we can carry around. And someone does 10 or 15 things wrong to us. What do we have on them? But God said, no, I'm forgiving you. I'm not going to keep record of wrong. I'm going to keep record of what you did right. Yes, there will be a day of judgment. But it's not a kind of judgment that said, here's all the things you did wrong. The judgment will be, did you believe in my son Jesus Christ? Because He forgave all your sins. He took care of that list. If you want to bring in your own list, I don't know how you're going to take care of that, but I'm letting you know that Jesus took care of yours. See, I think, if we started keeping record of what we did right, we'd be less of an angry person. If we started to keep record of what others did right, we'd be less of an angry person. If we started to think of all the good things other people did, we'd be less of an angry person. And... Anger in itself is not sin. It's the uncontrolled anger. If I keep record of what they did right, even if there's one thing out of the entire month, it'll trump all the other things that they did wrong. Because good overcomes evil. Dwell on the good things, the Bible says. See, after a while, if we don't keep record of right and we keep record of wrong, then because of close proximity with one another and in relationships... Because we're so close together, we're going to take each other for granted. And that's where the anger is going to come up. It's like when you first started dating, you know, you take care of the bill, you take care, you open the door, uh, you, you know, you put your coat on if they're cold or things like that. and Or, or when you have a brand new baby, it's such a joy and... And then as they continue to grow up, you go through different years and seasons with them, and it changes. And then, uh, let's just say you get a new job, and you, oh, every, you love everybody. It's a new job. You love everybody at work. But then after a certain time period, then, then oh boy, it's so, oh, they're like that. Oh, oh! So this group. Oh, what group should I be with? Oh, oh! They're the night shift. I'm the morning shift. Oh, that's that crew. That's this crew. Okay, so I should be with this people. This people. Oh, let's talk about these guys. Oh, let's talk about them. And now, joy is uh, work is no longer a joy. It becomes a chore because we're so close with people, and when we're close with people, we take it for granted the relationships that we have, even with our kids. We'll take them for granted that they're a blessing. They're not a curse as teenagers. They're a blessing. (laughs) Our children are a blessing. Our parents are blessings. They're not just nagging all the time. They're blessings. But it's because we're in constant relationship, we take each other for granted. That's why kindness is so incredibly important. We'll blow it from time to time. But if we work at being kind, it'll help us tremendously. The other week we were checking our mailbox and so I pulled up And so I took out my key. We have to open the mailbox and I dropped the key. I said, Heidi, I dropped the key. So I opened the door and I couldn't open it much because of the mailbox. And so I'm peeking out and I can't see the key. I reach my hand down, I can't feel it, nothing. I said, Heidi, how about you walk around and then see where the key is and then I'll move forward. But I don't want to run it over. So she walks out. And she goes, okay, move forward. I said, "What? Well, where's the key? She goes, it's under there. I said, what? I don't want to run it over. She goes, it doesn't matter. Just go. I said, it does matter. I don't want to run it over. She goes, just move forward. I said, where's the key? She goes, it doesn't matter. And I said this, it does matter. Maybe louder. Did you hear me say that, Heidi? Oh, you did. Whew. She treated me well. And so I said, it does matter. And so, she, so I moved forward. And this was my thought. I bent the key before. So it's almost broken. So if I run it over, it does matter. I didn't explain that to her. She had no idea why I was getting upset. In her mind, she's thinking, it's a, it's a key. It really doesn't matter. Just move forward so I can get the thing. And here I am getting all upset, getting angry at the situation. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, you got to help me. I'm talking about anger. you got to help me. And thank God... I don't know what you're dealing with, Heidi. Maybe we can talk later. But you did a wonderful job. You didn't get mad at me or anything. So I, I forgive me for... The it was a great day, though, after that. And I thought, when we have that uncontrolled anger, when we're not kind to one another, it ruins everything. And the Bible says, be kind. It's a part of love. It's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's being kind. It takes a lot of people skill for that to happen. It takes a lot for us to calm down. It takes a lot for us to really think through being kind to one another. Because the closer you are to someone, the kinder we need to be. It's in those close relationships that uncontrolled anger becomes a real issue. See, close quarters require kindness far more than than occasional conversations. For instance, you could pass a stranger on the street and they could say something negative to you. Like if they just pass you by and they say, oh, watch where you're going. Now, most of us maybe might scrap or get mad or get upset. But then sometimes we just, oh, let it go. No big deal. Because they're a stranger. We don't know them. We're not in close relationship with them. But if someone close to you said that, like in your own home. Hey, watch where you're going. What? what Don't mean watch where I'm going. So much room. Walk around me when I'm coming. <laughs> because they're close. We'll say something. Or if your friend comes over to the house and says, Oh, your yard is Oh, Your grass is long, huh? So long. You got to cut your grass. Yeah, you know, it's been raining and, you know, sun and all that. And I didn't have time for it. Work late. Come home. It's dark and stuff. Yeah, look, your rubbish. It's like the rubbish dump over here. You, you got to take your rubbish. Yeah, I've been busy. I got I to take the rubbish. Imagine now that's fine because it's just your friend. You don't really live with them in close proximity, but what if your spouse said that? As a husband? What if your wife said You didn't cut the grass for like three months? It's bushes already. You gotta cut the grass and the trash. That's look like one dump. Now, would you say, oh, yeah, it's been raining, you know, it's kind of sunny, rainy, you know, photosynthesis, and, you know, it's all crazy, so, oh, yeah, the rubbish, I've been busy. You, no. I mean, we would take offense to it. Why? Because they're close to us. We, what, you, uh, I got to work and and do the lawn? I got to get up five in the morning and go to work. It's dark. I go to work, come back home. By the time I get settled in, it's dark. You like me motor on at eight o'clock at night? I can motor on at eight o'clock at night. Or oh, four o'clock in the morning? Choose one. Four or eight? You let me? Fine, fine. You're like, okay. I mowed the lawn. Brr, brr, brr. String broke. Brr. You broke the lawnmower? You broke the lawnmower? See? Now you got to take them apart. Okay, get the string. Okay. Brr. Eight o'clock at night. Brr. You let me mow the lawn. You let me mow the lawn. I'm mowing the lawn. I'm mow- I cannot even see. Hit one rock. Lawnmower broke. Look, sparks on. all. The thing is still on fire. You broke the lawnmower and now it's on fire. Your fault. And the rock, when hit your car, your window is broke. You and broke your car. That's what it is. You wanted me to model on. Your fault. I'm sure we do with something like that. And I think I think we when we think of the situations that we come across, it is silly, isn't it? See, uncontrolled anger will do things like that. Then we're we're grumbling about things that really is not the issue. Now we take out our anger on other people. We take out our anger on on people that are close to us. And we forget that the people that are close to us, we should be the most kind to. Kindness is vital in dealing with uncontrolled anger. Listening without interrupting. Letting the other person speak. Being kind and courteous. It's a difficult one because we're in such close proximity with one another. And we take each other for granted. Second Timothy 2 Timothy and twenty six uh, through 26, it says that the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will." You see this? This is a lifelong journey. It's not a one-shot deal. Being kind to one another, it takes a lot of practice. But when we're kind, we can correct it here instead of letting it lead to sin. And sin taking us prisoner as the devil will do. And now we're no longer following God. We're actually following the devil without even knowing it. Why? Because that's his strategy from the very beginning. It's to get us away from God. But God gave us Christ, who died for us uh, for us, so that we could follow Him. That's why He gave us Jesus Christ. Okay, but what if what if someone does something against me and 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 how do I correct that? What if somebody did something and and, and, and I'm angry about it and and I don't know what to do? And if people come against me, what do, what do I do? Where's our closing scripture. Just remember this in Romans twelve eighteen, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. If possible, so long as it depends on you, you be at peace with all men. Forgiveness is not for them. Being kind is really not for them. It's for us. It's so that we can become all that God created us to be. See, God was angry with us, but he didn't, take it. he didn't take it out on us. He didn't take out His anger on us. Instead, He gave us the truth in love. He chose to forgive us, and He is kind to us. See, when we choose to confront in truth and love, forgive instead of compressing anger, and are kind to others, we show others that there is more to life, not because there are no problems, but that there is a God who chose to love rather than to let sin win. That's the power of God. Is there more to life? Yes, there is. It's called eternal life with God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And close your Bibles and put away your notes. We're going to pray together and hope this was helpful for all of us. If you got to make things right, make things right. I will right when I'm finished. <laughs> Just make things right. Make things good. Okay? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for teaching us how to deal with uncontrolled anger. Thank you for being the God of grace who set the example in, in what we need to do and who we're becoming in you so that, so that we can live the life you promised us because there is so much more to life. Lord, forgive us when we allow anger to take control over us. Lord, if there's anybody that we've been holding an offense against or or bitterness against, Lord, we release that to you in the name of Jesus and we choose to forgive. Sometimes there's anger towards our parents. Sometimes there's anger toward maybe a a loved one that has passed on and, and we keep carrying that. But Lord, you're the God of eternity. And we can even ask you for forgiveness and release things. And even when others have passed away, we can make things right with you. And you're able to heal us. Lord, we pray for our family members and and ourselves. That if there's any uncontrolled anger in our families, Lord, we pray against that in the name of Jesus. That we will not give the devil a foothold in our families. But we will give you full reign. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Let's thank the Lord of grace, the one who gave us grace.